An antitrust lawsuit filed against Google in February by the U.S. Department of Justice and attorneys general in eight states does not mention either copyright or the news profession. Content creators and the media, though, have reason to see the case as an important new front in a two-decade-long battle with digital platforms. Welcome to CCC's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Velocity of Content. Competition in the marketplace, of course, is the principal concern DOJ has in antitrust matters. When a monopoly controls a particular market, it can bar entry to competitors and set artificially high prices. The latest DOJ case against Google alleges that the search engine Titan does exactly that in the $250 billion U.S. digital advertising space. Industry analyst Paul Sweeting has written that the government's decision to make an antitrust example of Google may release the tech company's tight grip on ad spend and give publishers, especially news publishers, a chance at online survival. Paul Sweeting with RightsTech.com joins me now. Welcome back to the program, Paul. Thanks, Chris. Good to be here again. It is good to have you join us. And tell us about these DOJ allegations. How exactly does the Department of Justice say that Google controls both the buy side and the sell side of digital advertising? And, and why does the complaint view publishers as the injured parties? Well, the case uh, essentially makes reference to to the beginning of, of Google's behavior here when it acquired a uh, ad tech and ad, uh, digital advertising technology company called DoubleClick, um, which is widely used to purchase ad space on digital platforms. They also own what has become the dominant technology platform for publishers to sell digital advertising space on their websites. And in addition, Google owns a uh, dominant ad exchange, which is the platform where sales are actually transacted. So there are sort of three steps in the digital advertising technology stack, as they call it. There's the buy side platform, there's the sell side platform, and in between there's the exchange platform. And Google has maneuvered itself into a position where it is the dominant or one dominant uh, player within uh, each of those steps or each of those parts of the equation. So uh, the Justice Department is alleging that it uses that it has used that position to effectively freeze out competition in any one of them. So it, if you are a, a buyer of ads, and you want to reach the most uh, desirable uh, websites, you have to go through, you effectively have to go through Google. And the reverse is true for publishers. If you want the advertisers who are spending the most money, you have to go through Google. People have have looked at this uh, in other jurisdictions, in Europe, for instance. There are also eight states that have joined the Justice Department in in this litigation. Uh, what I think makes the um, the Google case particularly interesting from a from a copyright point of view is that if you read through the the complaint filed uh, by the Justice Department with the court, they really describe the injured party in that uh, uh, what they allege is a monopolistic uh, control. Uh, the injured party they uh, they're concerned about are publishers. Their you know their their basic premise is that. Publishers make less money uh, because Google, 
you know, controls the money flow both into and out, out of the ad tech space. And, and so, you know, publishers then, you know, are, are constrained in their resources because advertising is, is one of the main and in many cases, the sole means of monetization that um, publishers have online. And, you know, again, according to the complaint, Google is taking um, as much as 30% or more of every dollar that gets transacted in there. So that's that's a lot of money that is not going to publishers. And we've all seen what's happened with uh, news publishers in particular. You have, uh, there's been a tremendous loss of particularly local news outlets who don't have the uh, the reach and scale to effectively uh, deploy a, a paywall, and so they're particularly de- dependent on on advertising dollars. And um, if Google is scraping off um, a big enough chunk of those dollars, that's harming consumers as well, because consumers are getting at least again this is the allegation uh, consumers are getting access to fewer news sources because uh, publishers simply cannot sustain their business. And Paul Sweeting, there are other aspects of this that affect consumers like you and me, the readers of published content online. So when publishers are essentially hostage to Google and other online platforms for revenue, what's the experience on our end? From the consumer's point of view, well, the biggest impact is you have fewer viable news sources to choose from. And that may seem a bizarre sort of statement to make when you're talking about the World Wide Web, when you're overwhelmed with content, but you know a good amount of that content is not being professionally produced. It's being produced without the sort of fact-checking and, and multi-sourcing and verification and credibility that goes along with a professional publishing operation. And so... The impact is uh, uh, on consumers is both less credible information and more, <laughs> I don't want to say not credible, but uh, perhaps dubious uh, information available to you. So that's, you, you could argue that, and, and the Justice Department does, that that's a net loss to the society. And Paul Sweeting, publishers have battled Google directly themselves in the so-called Google Books case, which was originally brought in 2005 and ultimately ended in Google's favor in 2016. Why do you think antitrust arguments are replacing copyright infringement allegations in 2023? Well, I'm not sure that there's any organized or, or self-conscious effort to do that, but I do think you've you've seen a number of cases where it's sort of played out that way. You know, this is not the first um, DOJ action in in this space. Um, uh, not very long ago, they they moved uh, successfully to block Penguin Random House's uh, proposed acquisition of Simon and Schuster. Uh, which would have reduced the uh, the so-called big five trade houses, trade publishing houses to four. And uh, again, the the DOJ's argument was that the the injured party there was not other publishers necessarily. It was authors that the acquisition would have furthered the creation of what's called a monopsony, um, which is sort of the flip side of a monopoly where you have a, a dominant buyer who is able to essentially dictate what it will pay to to sellers. But DOJ argued that that the advances that uh, authors would be able to um, 
to gain to to to, to demand from from publishers um, would go down because there'd be fewer buyers in the market, and one in particular, merged PRH and SNS, would be you know half the market or more. It goes to um, something that I I've always believed, um, and I don't think I'm alone in this this belief that uh, you know from the beginning. When uh, copyright owners, you know, were first uh, confronted by um, the internet, and particularly the rise of of large platforms like like uh, Google and you, which owns YouTube, um, Facebook, and others, they have long complained that you know their their content is being used without authorization or in or in you know fashions that they don't uh, approve of without being licensed to do so as would normally be the case if you were making use of somebody else's intellectual property you would need to um to license that and presumably pay them for that there that's that's what copyright guarantees or at least promises i guess would be the better word to creators is that you would have this collection of of exclusive rights and the ability to license them uh, to other people to make use of your intellectual property for most of the history of of um, copyright value was based on the exclusive control of of scarce content i made this i own it uh, if you want it you have to come to me uh, I'm going to capture the value of any, or at least a, a, my, sh- you know, a, a reasonable share of the value uh, of any transaction. Today, you know, no, there's no such thing as scarcity in a, in a digital environment. Uh, you know, co- any file can be copied indefinitely and and uh, in infinite number. And so, control of exclusive content is not really a a uh, a lever for capturing. Um, if I'm mixing my metaphors there, I suppose, but uh, for capturing the value of transactions, the value flows to the to whoever controls the audience, because you know now the content needs the audience, not the other way around, and and so creators, rights owners have have faced this this problem of value capture, and uh, you know how do you you know the value is being created on digital platforms it's just not flowing to the creators or to the rights owners it's flowing to the folks who control the platforms the problem is how do you arrange things so that you know they have the leverage the the the, the basic competitive positioning to be able to claim their share of the value to a large degree in my view the the the, the problem that rights owners and creators have had online is sort of structural and and competition related less so than or or you know not entirely a, a function of or a problem of of copyright enforcement in this country you've seen organizations representing publishers such as the news media alliance beginning to sort of bring the competitive analysis to the fore um, they have been pushing a piece of legislation for the last uh, few years called the Journalism Competition and Protection Act, or JCPA, which would create a an exemption, a temporary exemption from antitrust law to allow news publishers to essentially bargain, negotiate collectively with platform providers um, for uh, in order to uh, to establish licensing and payment terms for the use of their content so they've sort of 
come around to the view that their their problem is is an antitrust problem or a competition problem as much as it is a copyright infringement problem. Paul Sweeney, you mentioned the News Media Alliance. They were the major drivers uh, in Congress to pass the Journalism Competition and Protection Act, which in the last session came very close, but ultimately did not make it across the line. Now that the Republicans are in charge in the House, what are the chances that JCPA will move forward? Well, I don't, I mean, I, I think it's unlikely that anything's going to happen in this Congress for the, for the, uh, next couple of years having nothing to do with, uh, JCPA or any other particular legislation. It's just we have divided rule now in Congress and that just makes everything much more difficult. But I don't think that it breaks entirely along partisan lines, traditional partisan lines. For one thing, you know, Republicans have been quite critical of some of the big tech players. And they're doing this somewhat crazy, uh, fatuous, uh, can I say that, uh, oversight process uh, around uh, Twitter. So, you know, they're not necessarily the biggest fans of the big tech companies. And these, these, uh, the JCPA is, is basically aimed at applying le- leverage against uh, the big tech platform. So I, I don't think it's it's apt to break exclusively on, on partisan lines. Although, you know, as I said at the top, I, I, I wouldn't be optimistic of about any piece of legislation, uh, you know, other than Defense Department funding uh, getting through uh, the current Congress. All right. Well, Paul Sweeting with RightsTech.com, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Chris. Good to be here. That's all for now. Our producer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. You can subscribe to our program wherever you go for podcasts. And please do follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. You can also find Velocity of Content on YouTube as part of the CCC channel. I'm Christopher Keneally. Thanks for joining me. Mm-hmm.